Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, first of all, before we get into this, I just want to say a big shout out and show honor to Johnny, Mark, the men's breakfast team. Can we give it up for these guys and say thanks for putting this on? Thank you, guys. Man, I love this event. I want to be quick because I think like you, I am super excited to hear Al's story and what's on his heart today. And so I want to be pretty brief. But Johnny's asked me just to mention something about the church, something that's going on. Uh, I have the privilege of leading and pastoring the 180 campus that's here in this building. And one of the things we've just kind of been learning recently as a church, our mission, as you know, is to introduce people to the real Jesus. And we're discovering that finding and discovering and experiencing the real Jesus happens best when you're honest and willing to face the real you. And there's a very fascinating story in the life of Jesus. He's walking into the city of Jerusalem, and he comes upon this tree. It's a fig tree. He sees it from a distance, and he's hungry. And so he goes to it to see if he can get something to eat from it. And when he gets there, he finds nothing but fig leaves on this tree. And he just looks at it, and he says, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. His disciples hear it. They're kind of like, what's this all about? They move on. The next morning, they come by this tree, and they find out that it's been withered from the roots. I mean, there's nothing. This tree's completely dead. They're shocked. Jesus is not. They go, Master, look what happened. The tree that you cursed has withered away completely. And he gives them this little lesson on faith and prayer and all of that. But he's giving us a deeper picture that I think is very fascinating. And it speaks to where we're at as a church and who we want to be. If you remember all the way back to the very beginning, God had created Adam and Eve, put them in this beautiful garden, and he gave them one command. You can freely eat everything. Just don't eat this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And they eat the tree. And if you remember, when they eat the fruit from it, the first thing they do, their eyes are open. They realize that they're naked. So where do they go? They go to a fig tree and they take leaves and they sew them together to cover up all of the shame that they now feel, all of the sin that they now feel. And here's Jesus now, years and years later, looking at this fig tree and he's saying, you guys have been coming to this tree for far too long because we all do this. When we have issues in our life, we love to cover, we love to hide, we love to put masks on, we love to fake it and kind of put our resume self on display and act like everything's all together. And he's saying, no more. This tree's not going to work anymore. There's a new tree for you to come to, the one that I'm going to hang on, bleed on, die on. And you can come to that tree honestly, openly, vulnerably. And when you do, you can find real freedom and real healing. And that's the kind of church we want to be, where we're not a church that comes faking it, showing up to small group or church with our best outfit on and our fake church smile on, but where we can get into circles like this and be real and honest and open. Because when we do, we can get free, we can be healed, and we can be the men that God has called us to be. Here's what I know about us as guys. We're leaders, we're problem solvers, and we love to deal with all these external issues, but sometimes we lack the guts to face the biggest issues in our life that are right here. And we wanna be the kind of community and the kind of church where we can do that in circles like this. And so this is why you constantly hear us harping on next move, small groups, getting into communities like this where you can have a place where you can just be you. You can lay down your resume, you can lay down all your titles, and you can just be you. Just be who you really are, the good, the bad, the ugly, and together we can pursue Jesus and get free. And so that's the kind of church we want to be, and uh, that's what I thought I'd share today. I think we can be done after that. We can all finish up our breakfast and go back. Thank you. Thank you very much. We had an incredible month last month with Dr. Steve Katzis, who, Steve, are you here somewhere? So I'm over here. Man, what a great month last month with him. If you weren't here and you missed that, I just want to remind you all that if you go to iTunes, uh, COTM Men's Breakfast is on there. So that's a key word. And every, every men's breakfast is on there. And I was talking to someone the other day that said they listened to every single one of them. So it's one of those, if, you're, if you missed one, man, it sure is really, really good info. 
Um, I wanted to invite my co-host, uh, Mark Marquin, up to introduce our speaker today because Mark has had the honor of leading with Al for quite a while, and they have a great friendship, and I just want him to introduce him today and then have Al come on up. So. All right. Well, first thing I want to say is, uh, Pastor, you're on the speaker's list for sure, so. <laughs> that was a great word already, so I'm already fired up. I want to introduce Al personally. Um, because the relationship we've had and we've developed over, over the last couple of years. Um, selfishly, Al, I just knew him through helping us here at Men's Breakfast, and we didn't even engage that much. Just a servant coming in and knocking it out. And then my good friend Brett Wilson, um, man, just kept talking to me about Al, because Al was on his leadership team, uh, on his core team at church on sections, and just kept telling me, this is a gym. This guy is a diamond. You need to hook up with this guy. You need to connect with this guy. So uh, we play a round of golf, and I'm, I'm riding with Al, and just listening to Al, I'm in tears. I'm, I'm led to repentance. Um, I mean, I'm dead serious. I mean, I'm just like, I love this guy. He's so genuine, and he's so real. And what I want to say most about Al is Al will get you thinking about purpose, about a true purpose of why you are here, why Jesus brought you into this world. And for someone like me and probably many of you, man, that's this thing for me as far as like, I know the things I got to knock out. I know the things that I'm up against. I'm comparison all day long. I'm in a world of numbers. Where are you at on the depth chart? How do you measure out? But when I'm talking with someone like Al, it's never about what's your bank account look like? You know, what do you have? What do you don't have? It is about right here. What has God created you to be? What is your life purpose? What is that call? What is he whispering into your ear? So I want, when I spoke with Al about being here, plain and simple, because he could talk about so much stuff. His nonprofit that he has, it's extremely successful. But I was like, Al, I just want you to tell your story. Tell us your real, how you met the real Jesus and what your heart is about and walk us through what God has walked you through. So please welcome Al Pro. Thank you, Mark. And Johnny, thank you very much. I'd like to meet this guy, Al. Anybody know him? I'm not sure I know him, gee. What a guy. But I appreciate the opportunity to, to be up here, to be with men, men of God. There's nothing like it. I love speaking to men. Um, men are who God created to be the spiritual leaders of their families. And, and I see it all the time with guys that I talk with, that we have lunch with, uh, the struggles that men have uh, trying to be the spiritual leader is so difficult. So I love the opportunity to, to share, to share with men. So if I may, just if I may, just open up with prayer. Okay, Father, we just praise you and we just honor you for who you are. Thank you, Father. Your grace and your mercy endures forever. I'm so grateful for life. I'm so grateful for who you are. I'm so grateful for who I am in you. And I am so grateful that these men showed up this morning, Father. Thank you, Father, that they came here to hear from you. 
I ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to move mightily here this morning to, to answer questions in their hearts to those doubts that they have. Holy Spirit, no matter what I say, you can speak to them, each individually, Father. Thank you, Father, that we hear from you today in a mighty, mighty way, Father. All I want to be, Father, is just your um, vessel of honor and sanctified and useful for my master. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, gentlemen, I'm here to testify of the goodness and faithfulness of God. God is good. And my life will testify to his goodness and faithfulness. Um, I love my life. I, I love the life that God has given me. And uh, you know what? I wouldn't trade it with anybody, with anyone, even Pastor Kirby. You know, as good a life as he's got, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't replace it with that. But my journey with, with God has been, no, I don't want to use the word has been, is amazing. Because it still is amazing. And this is, I think, where a lot of men miss out on that Jesus has not become amazing every day. Don't expect him to be amazing every day. But uh, I'm a very blessed man. I'm 73 years young. And Psalms uh, 103 verse 5 says that God has put good things in my mouth. Why did he do that? So that my youth, hello, my youth, your youth would be renewed like the eagles. Psalms 92 says, 14 and 15 says that, that I shall flourish in the courts of God. I shall flourish in the courts of God. And even in your old age, he says, even in my old age, I will still bear fruit. And it goes on from there and he says, and you, and you shall flourish and be nourished. Why? To declare that God is my rock, that there is no unrighteousness in him. Hey, that's scripture. That's scripture. And I didn't say I, I'm 73, to, uh, 73 years young to deny my age. I say that because that's how I think. I say that because, because that's how God thinks. He says in scripture that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, gentlemen. We, there's no need to be denying ourselves life and the abundant life that God has for us. Especially when it comes to your purpose. You are never, ever too old to discover your purpose. You're never too far gone for God to use you. I'm here to testify of that. This is, this is what we need to grab hold of, is, is that we do have a purpose, that God does love us. It's the world that tells you 73 is old. It's the world that tells you 60 is old. I had a neighbor, matter of fact, yesterday, uh, we were out in the yard talking, and I asked him, hey, how are you doing? He says, oh, my knees are hurting me. I said, what, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, you know, you know, you get 60 years old. They, you know, they hurt. And I said, well, I'll praise the Lord. You know, what, what, what? That's how the world thinks. Gentlemen, you and I, we don't have to think that way. He says in, in uh, John, 1 John 4, uh, 17, 18, he says, as Jesus is, so am I. And when I, when I pay, pray the Bible, I pray it personally. So when, when who, who Jesus is, so is Al. 
as Jesus' body, so is mine. Because it says, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Not when I get to heaven, as a lot of people say. As his body is, so is mine. As his kidneys are, so are mine. As his heart is, so is mine. As his brain is, so is mine. As his mind is, so is mine. I have the mind of Christ. As he thinks, I think. Hello. He wants us to think like him. Well, Pastor Willie stole my message. <laughs> you, some of you, you guys were here a month ago when he talked about, you know, you got to think like God thinks. He wants you to think like he does. James, James, uh, Jeremiah 10.23 says, Man is not unto himself that he can make his own decisions. No amens on that one? <laughs> You're not supposed to. He's created you with a free will to think like him. That's what we're supposed to do. It's all in your attitude and how you look at life, gentlemen. Of course, my life wasn't always this great. I, there came a time in my life where I found myself divorced. And for me, that was a big deal. A very, very big deal, because I was brought up in Catholicism. And as a Catholic, getting divorced is forbidden. I'm talking about absolutely forbidden. You just don't get divorced as a Catholic. You're destined for hell. You're excommunicated from church. Kicked out of the Catholic church because you're divorced. Of course, they don't do that anymore. They started losing too many congregants. The church getting smaller and smaller, so they changed the law. Oh, we better not call that forbidden. Let's let them go to do that. But I was convinced I was going to hell. I was convinced I was going to hell. I was uh, on the police department at the time. I was working the streets, and, and uh, I wore my vest more often. I waited for my backers. I didn't jump in there and John Wayne it like you normally did. Waited for your backers and I wore my vest more often. You didn't have to wear them like you do today. Every, every day, every shift you wear them. But back then you didn't have to. Just carry them with you. I even wore the, there's a pocket in the vest where you put a, a, a plate, a steel plate in there to protect your heart. I didn't even want to take a nap. I didn't want to go to sleep at night because I was so deathly afraid. If I woke up, I'd woke, wake up in hell. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible time in my life. Horrible time in my life. But then one day a friend of mine invited me to his Baptist church. And of course, that's forbidden too, you know. So I thought, well, I'm going to hell anyway. Might as well, <laughs> might as well darken the door of a, of a Protestant church. So I went to this Protestant church. Uh, it was weird. I mean, you know, I've never been anything like that if you've been to Catholic Mass, you know. And so um, I fill out this visitor's card. And uh, three weeks later, I get a call from Pastor Dr. Ward Walker. Never forget his name. I was working the detective division at the time, uh, working the sex crime detail on evening shift. And so I told him, hey, I'm working evening shift. Um, yeah, we'll have to set up a time. He says, so he comes. Within two hours, he shows me that God loved me. 
because I knew, I knew, I knew that, that if the priest didn't want me, the church didn't want me. And if the church didn't love me, then the Pope didn't love me. And you know, the Pope and God are like this. The Pope is infallible in the Catholic Church. He can do no wrong. And so I was, I was in, full of shame. I was full of guilt. Uh, hated the world, hated life. I was mad at God, mad at the church, mad at myself. It was, it was a horrible time in my life. And that night, Pastor Walker, he, he showed me that God loved me. Gentlemen, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like being delivered and that, that burden was gone. That burden was gone. I slept like a baby that night and I have slept like a baby since. Because my life was changed, wonderfully, powerfully changed. I saw the difference in my past and now I see the difference in my future. I saw and, and felt God loved me and God had more for me and I wanted every inch of it. I wanted every millimeter of it. Whatever God had for me, I wanted it and I wanted it bad and I sought it. I saw the difference in the fake Jesus, the religious Jesus that I knew that back then to the real Jesus. I saw the, I experienced the fake news and then I experienced the, <laughs> the real Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. That just came out really. I experienced the, the, the good news. I was in darkness. I thought I was going to heaven. As a Catholic, I thought I was going to heaven. How traumatic it was to find out I'm not. And then to live like that. Horrible time. I was set free. The truth set me free. I'm so glad. I, was, I came to know the real Jesus February 1979. And since 1979, February, I'm a changed man. I love, I love God, and I'm ready to do all that God has for me. My journey with the real Jesus, I can't see the clock. Okay. I've got another hour. <laughs> My journey officially started as, was, uh, with God was February 1979. My last 12 years on the police department were amazing. Did you get that? Amazing. Every day Jesus became more amazing to me. I, uh, as a police officer, uh, there was, I don't know if you know pa Pastor uh, Danny Lynchard. He is the, currently the police and fire chaplain. And he's been it for many, 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 40-some years already. Well, when I became a Christian, he became a volunteer police chaplain. So he was walking around looking for a police, policemen who were born again, who were Christian. Well, there was only eight or nine of us. It was so rare that he invited uh, us, police officers who were Christian, to go to churches to give our testimonies because it was unheard of for a policeman to be a Christian. It was, so, it was so amazing that even National Geographic wrote an article on it. September 1983. Hey, we went around praying for officers, praying for people in the hospital. This guy here that this officer is praying for, a good friend of mine, Gerald Atchley, this guy was shot by an officer. And he's still going out there preaching to this guy in bed. Hey, we did stuff like that back then. But nobody thought their sh policemen should be Christians. The thing that I talked about, and this is when God spoke to me about ministering, 
about speaking, about teaching, was when I went to my first church, and the guys kept asking me, Pastor Danny kept asking me, what are you going to talk about? Man, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what I'm going to say. I have no idea. And for a couple of weeks, they kept asking me, I don't know. I don't know. We get there. And uh, we're sitting, there were three of us, we were sitting in the, in the back room there, you could see the pulpit from where we were sitting there, and, and, and Pastor got up, introduced uh, us, and all that kind of stuff, and the other two guys went up and they gave their, their story, and so they invited me up to give my story. I still didn't know what to say. I walked up to that podium and I went like this, and it flowed. It was just the most amazing thing. I was convinced, okay, God, this is Holy Spirit, this is you. And what I talked about were angels. I had just learned about angels and how to use them. I was a sergeant at the time. I had uh, 14 officers under my, under my, uh, in my squad. And we, I was, we were assigned to work the highest crime rate district in Tulsa. And I was working the four shift. So um, I decided, Lord... Let's reduce crime rate in my district, and I want people to know it. So I prayed. I, I asked God for angels to be placed, and I strategically placed them all in the four corners of my district to take care of it from 7 to 2 in the morning, four shift. For months, our crime rate, not the other shifts, but my shift, our shift, four shift, crime went down. And my officers were still busy. But they were working wrecks, they were working crime, burglaries and stuff in the other's districts. <laughs> it was amazing. God was amazing, gentlemen. It was great until one day. One day, I, every day I, I prayed on my way to squad meeting. I, for, I, I delayed praying. I said, Lord, I, said, I just don't have time. I've got to hurry, I've got to get to squad meeting and get the guys out in the field and and I, I didn't pray. I didn't pray. Two hours later, we get a call goes out in my district. A man was shot. I'm the first guy on the scene, first officer on the scene. The two officers, my backer showed up just, just a few minutes later. Emsa showed up just a few minutes later. And there was this guy laying on the floor. And his intestines were just flowing out of him like a hose. And I'm going, my God, this is me. Because I didn't pray. I didn't take care of my 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 district like I should. Man, I was shocked. Oh my God, I I felt horrible. Well, I started assigning guys to, to, to do canvas to the area, and so one of my guys came back and says, Hey, we got a car description and I think I know this guy. I've seen him in this car before. So okay, so we saddle up, we go to his house, and we knock on the door, we surround his house, we figured this is the guy. And so it ends up, real story, long story short, uh, there are two officers standing in front of the door. He opens the door, looks out the door like this, saw who it was. Of course, we were yelling at him, we were police. He had to verify it, I guess. And so just as he shut the door, the officer shoved the shotgun in there to hold it from being uh, closed, and the shotgun goes off. So they scurry down to the ground, and there's concrete there, and I was the only one guy in the front, so make sure he didn't come out. And... I guess a couple hours later, uh, he runs out the back window, and then he jumps four or five uh, fences, out yards down the road, and K-9 gets him. Poor guy. He, but when I, when I saw him, his right arm was missing all this meat right here from that shotgun. Gentlemen, 
that's because I, I failed to pray. I failed to take care of my, my community. I still pray for angels today and for my family and my house. I pray for angels. When I, when I pray for church, I place angels around the church too, just like I did back then. They, angels are still out there, gentlemen. Angels are real, and there's, Scripture says that they'll obey God's word. So all you got to do is speak God's word. It's simple. But we look at angels as invisible, and they are, but they're real. They're real. They're real. My 20 years were coming up to retire from the police department. I knew the Lord was talking to me about leaving, about going full-time deaf ministry. For the last seven years, I was pastored to a church for the deaf. My wife and I were professional interpreters for the deaf. Everywhere the deaf were, that's where we were. We were so involved and so invested in the deaf community that we didn't have any hearing friends for years and years and years and years. You know, marriages and weddings and funerals and babies and whatever it was, holidays, we were together. There were deaf people who always had, were in my house. We loved the people and loved the culture. But I knew that if I was to leave, I'd be leaving a good job. I loved what I did. You know, pay was, eh, it was okay. But I loved the job. I loved the work. I was leaving good insurance, gentlemen, hello, to zero pay. There was no pay for the pastorship. There was no insurance. There was no security for my family. I had to take, I said, I need to go do some fasting and praying time. I took four days off, went down to Sulphur, had a little Nissan pickup, had a little small camper on it cover on it, and uh, went out there, took several gallons of water. I had two apples in the morning and two cucumbers at night and water the rest of those four days, just seeking God. I'd put in my cassette, yeah, cassette, maybe I had a CD, and just worshiping God, praising God, just trying to get into his presence. It took me about a day to get all this mental stuff out of the, out of the way. I took notes. Oh, I got to recall this guy, I got to do this and do this, because you got to get those things out of your head. That's, that's the way it is your first day or even your first several hours when you want to be alone with God. But when I left there, I still didn't, didn't, wasn't sure. But by the time I got home, I says, okay, God, I'm going to make a decision here. I believe you really want me to leave the police department, leave all of that security, and go full-time ministry. I did. And you know what? The moment I made that decision, peace just, just filled me. The worry was gone just because you made it, I made the decision. And gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that if you're suffering, you're struggling with decisions, well, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do? And you go on and on and you go on days, weeks, or months, or even years. Hey, make a decision. Make a decision to say, okay, it's not God's time yet. I'll wait, but I'm still going to be open. Or make a decision one way or other. I'm going to, you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. And if you make the wrong decision, you'll know. If you make the right decision, you'll know. Hey, it works. But it's spending time with God. It's being in the Word. It's being in the Word. I was 45 years old when, when God showed me my purpose. 45. I said, it's never too late. And I'm 73. I'm still walking in my purpose. <laughs> God is good, gentlemen. God is so good. God is so good. And he's faithful. 
Well, as you know, I was a pastor to a church for the deaf. I'm trying to make this, make this brief. But my wife and I were heavily involved with the deaf community, and uh, as I told you, and so we got to see as interpreters and being involved in the deaf community that there was a problem with illiteracy among the deaf population. We found out that the average reading level of a deaf adult is third grade. In America, national statistics, average reading level of a deaf adult was third grade. And here my wife and I, every time we go and interpret, they say, hey, how do you spell referral? What does this mean? How do I do this? What do I say here? This was horrible. And so I got to thinking about this. Oh, my gosh. Here I am as a hearing person. I can lay down, sit down to my lazy boy, lay back down there, have a cup of coffee, turn my light on, and get into my word, get into the Bible, and have my vertical time. A deaf person cannot do that. This was a shock to me. This, when this hit me, this is horrible. How is a deaf person nationwide, and even in the world, where there's even less resources, how are they going to know Jesus? How are they going to know Jesus? Oh my gosh, how? And if they do know Jesus, how are they going to have their one-on-one -on -one devotion time in the Word if they, can't, if they can't read it, if they're functionally illiterate? So I was praying one day, in, I was at the deaf church just praying and just praising the Lord, had a cassette in. When it hit me, it was kind of like going to a phone booth. Put a quarter in, you hear the quarter go down, and then you hear the dial tone. Oh, it was just like that. Oh, my gosh. There was no voice. There was nothing audible. I didn't hear anything inside, but, boy, I sure felt it in here. In here, I knew God was talking to me. I knew God was telling me. And he told me, he says, I want you to start a school called call it Happy Hands. He told me the name. I want you to serve children from birth to age six. Because the w window for learning language is from birth to age three. Gentlemen, you and I, we learn language. Our brain develops 75% by the time you're two and a half. 95% by the time you're six years old. It's kind of like concrete. You know, you can lay it and you can form it. But once it's formed, you can't, you can't do anything with it. That's the way it is with, deaf, with, with us, hearing people. Once you get two and a half, your, your brain is already mapped. 75%, 95% by the time you get to be six. I talked to uh, teachers at first grade at uh, Wright Elementary School with the deaf students. Oh, well, we can't do first grade work. I can't do first grade work. Because these kids come in, their, their social skills, is they're, they're out, of, out, of, out of whack. They just don't have social skills. They don't know their, their full name. They don't know their phone numbers. They don't know their address. They don't, you know, things a six-year-old should know. A problem. They're getting to first grade, and then they go through the system where they graduate from Edison High School, and 40% of those deaf kids go to, go to TCC, 70% drop out. Despite remedial grammar and remedial English, they still couldn't do college work. All because they didn't have a language. They couldn't read, or a difficult time reading. That was a problem. So the Lord said, start this school. We opened up September 1st. 1994. Gentlemen, we're celebrating 25 years. We're celebrating 25 years. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. That's God. That's God. Today, happy hands. We have a million three budget, and we're no United Way agency. We're not a United Way affiliate, and we don't ask for government funding. So how do, you, how do we pay a salary? 
Hey, it's all God. Every payday is a miracle. Every miracle, everything is a miracle about happy hands. I tell you, Jesus is amazing. 25 years. And we don't, we don't owe anybody. We don't pay a dime to anybody. Foundation gave us $7.8 million. If you t- go to our happy hands, which I invite you to come by sometime, anytime. We have a $7.8 million, 21,000 square foot, state-of-the-art facility. For I got 43 wells in the parking lot for geothermal system, 300 feet deep. I have, four, I have solar panels on the roof. And there's not one fluorescent bulb in the building. It's all LED, 100%. Other companies that have facilities of 21,000 square feet, they're paying eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 a month in utilities. We're paying two, 2,000 a month. Where every bit we get, so I can tell donors, every money you give to the happy hands goes to direct services to the kids. God is good. God is good. God is good. Oh my gosh, God is good. I'm going to tell a real quick story. I had a jinx, uh, girl in Jinx. She was three years old. And uh, uh, the teacher was having a tough time with his girls. Oh, my gosh. Was, she was in kindergarten. And, and so the teacher says, Teach, parents, take your daughter to the pediatrician. So he takes the daughter to the pediatrician. The pediatrician examines her and says, ah, she's stubborn. That's why she doesn't talk, and that's why she acts that way. Okay, you're the professional. So they go back to the teacher, and the teacher says, okay. So next week, teacher's going, ah, something's still wrong with this child. Please go back and have her reevaluated. Parents take the child back to, happy, back to the doctor, re-examines the little girl, and says, ah, she's stubborn. That's why she doesn't talk, and that's why she acts that way. Her communication was on the ground, or mm, 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 three years old, on the ground. Oh, knees and legs flying. That was her communication. And the parents going, is, is this it? Is this it? And this it? Horrible life for parents. Oh, my gosh. All because we couldn't communicate with the child. The child couldn't communicate. Long story short, they found out about happy hands. Within two months, this child began to simmer down. Her temper tantrums began to lessen. Why? Because she was able to communicate, express herself. The teachers were able to communicate with her. The children that were already in class were able to communicate. She learned language just by being there. When this child left, her temper tantrums were significantly diminished. Three years later, all because she was deaf. All because, I got so many stories. (laughs) Okay, um, real quick story. Uh, One more. Real quick, oh, wait a more. Okay, God is good. God is faithful. Uh, we opened up September 1st, 1994. Uh, we opened up at the Little Lighthouse, and they said, okay, you only have nine months. You have to be out of here, May 25th. Okay, uh, come uh, March and April and May, I'm going. Okay, I, I, started, I made a list of 63 churches and places that I thought could take us during the week. I call and call and call, nothing, 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 nothing. Come mid-May. I go, to, I go to the Marsha Mitchell at the executive director, founder of Little Lighthouse, and tell her, hey, we need more time. Can we do that? Is that possible? Because I've called three times, 163 people, churches. Nothing. Okay. Boards got together. Okay, let's make a new contract. So we got an extension of three months. So what do I do? I go back through the, that list again. I start calling and calling. Hey, do you have room for us? Do you have room for us? 
Nothing come mid-August. We're supposed to be out August 25th. August 25th, we're supposed to be out. The parents are asking me, where are we going? What are we going to do? The teachers are asking me. Our donors are asking me, where are you going? What are you going to do? And I'm going, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea. Monday morning, I get a call from Christ United Methodist Church and said, hey, Al, they knew my, my first name by that time. They didn't say Mr. Pro. I made so many calls to those people. They said, hey, Mr. Al, um, uh, you still looking for a place? And I said, oh, yeah, 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 we're looking for a place. And, uh, and, and uh, he says, okay. She says, okay. Uh, our ch elders are meeting Friday night at 7 o'clock. Can you come? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll be there. So parents uh, get this U-Haul truck. We load up the truck. I get a civic group to help us paint the rooms, you know, leave it better than we got it. And so here we are, packed up at 6 o'clock. We all drive to the parking lot. Parents, family, kids, teachers, board. <laughs> Everybody was sitting in the parking lot of Christ United Methodist Church. So I go in there. They ask me what we're doing. Okay, here's what we're doing. Here's what we need. So I'll never forget it. The, the, I guess the president of the elder goes, Oh, what do you think? What do you think? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, what do you think? What do you think? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, boom. You're in. Nobody even asked me, you know, when we were moving in. Until one guy came up a few minutes later and says, Hey, Al, happy you're coming. Happy you're going to be here. When are you moving? I said, Tomorrow. <laughs> Went out to the parking lot. And you don't know the joy of seeing those parents of those people to hear that we have a place. That God came through. You talk about last minute. There was no last minute, okay? God is faithful. God is good. And gentlemen, I encourage you. You've got to recognize Jesus as, as amazing every day. We can get to the point, kind of like when, when we were dating our wives. Oh, man, you called her. You talked to her. All the time, calling her, talking to her. Go by. I used to go by my, my, my wife's now. I'd go by her house and line, shine my uh, light in her windows and put the red lights and blue lights in her neighborhood, you know. And <laughs> Hey, I'm here. I love you, you know. And but gentlemen, after five years, you did that too. Five years, 10 years, 15 years. How, what is she to you now? You know what she is? She's familiar to you. She's no longer that amazing woman that you, that you married. She became familiar. And that's the way men are in the body of Christ. Jesus is familiar to you. Oh, yeah, I know he's there. Oh, yeah. I go to church. Oh, yeah, I read the Bible. But he's just pure familiar to you. He's no longer amazing. Men in the body of Christ are no longer expecting God to be amazing in their life. Are you just sitting there enjoying in your heart, or are you, you, you really getting this? I want you to get this. Okay, I, I forgot who's coming up here to relieve me now, and so I hand it over to you. All right, thank you. Al, thank you. Thank you so much. The scripture says in Hebrews 10 that we should never give up meeting together. The reason being so that we can spur one another on to love and good works. Today, I've been spurred. I've been inspired by your story and by what God's done through you. So thank you one more time. Let's give it up for Al and say thank you.
Man, guys, God has a vision for our life. He has a vision for you, a vision for me. And I don't know about you, but I want to step into all of it. As the scripture says in Ephesians, God's able to do infinitely more than anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine through his power that works in us. What would happen in our city if we stepped into that, if we took this message serious and we engage in all that God has called us to? All of this, though, and this is kind of something that Johnny's asked me to do, all of this begins with knowing Jesus. Even in Al's story, it all started when he discovered who the real Jesus was. And maybe you're here today and you're hearing this story and you go, man, maybe I grew up in a religious home. Maybe I even went to church, but I don't know that I really know Jesus. Not like that. And I want to invite you into that kind of relationship today. So we're going to pray together. The scripture says all you got to do is call on the Lord and you'll be saved. You'll know him. You'll have a relationship with him. So I'm going to lead a prayer. I want to invite all of you to pray it with us. But if you're ready to know Jesus, to step into a relationship with him, would you pray this with us? And Jesus is going to come into your life and you're going to start to step into that vision and purpose that we talked about today. So say this, say, Lord Jesus, I accept you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I believe you rose again. Here's my life. I give it to you. I'm yours. Work in me. Work through me. Do amazing things through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for who he is, for how amazing he is? All right.